searching for Canada's best startups. The Pitch Please Podcast. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Give us your best pitch. Pitch please. Three, two, one. Connecting with Canada's startups to learn about their business and the amazing people behind them. Follow along and hear some of the most interesting ideas in startups from across Canada. What's up, everybody? It's Mike. We're back here on the Pitch Please podcast. And today I'm talking to Justine from Third Z. Uh, they're an innovative natural product to help fitness athletes get better quality rest and recovery. It's probably for more than athletes. We're going to find out some of that stuff today. But before we do, let's learn a little bit about Justine. Maybe you want to start us off with a quick introduction about yourself, a little bit about your role at Third Z, and we'll sure. go from there. So thanks for so much for having me on the show. So um, a little bit about me. I have actually like a really weird career path that we can kind of maybe dig into later. I studied health sciences and biochem for my undergrad and then actually got a doctorate as a chiropractor, practiced in private practice for a number of years, also doing um, like CrossFit coaching, nutrition coaching for people, like really kind of like the more holistic approach to you. how do you get a person moving, feeling, functioning very well. Um, burned out of that career um, took a little like sideways into software sales for a while, which I actually super love. Um, and like in part of all of that realized, cause I spent a lot of time running my own practice as well as a Cairo and had learned how to do more like sales conversations and that kind of stuff. And literally like talked my way into the sales job by pretty much saying like, nobody wants to go to a factory. Everybody wants a, a pill to fix their problem. So like, if I can sell that, I can sell anything. Um, loved doing technology sales actually. And, um, but also realized that I just really liked business in general, like working on businesses, solving those types of problems. And so that kind of segued into us launching our own company during COVID. That's super cool. I want to learn about that. I too happen to like technology sales, uh, because I have to do that. That's my job. Um, but let's talk about the start of that. So you went into school to become a chiropractor. Um, so it sounds like on jump, you weren't specifically planning to ever be an entrepreneur or were you? No, not really. Like I was interested in body. I always liked working out. I was into sports when I was young. And I think like any kid who got kind of into biology, there was one where it was like, I should be a doctor. And when you tell your parents you want to be a doctor, they like pour gasoline on that. They're like, definitely do that. Go to university, become a doctor. And um, I shattered a bunch of like medical doctors when I was doing my undergrad. And they all were kind of like miserable with their lives. And I actually felt like most of them were kind of discouraging me from that that they were like, you know, the hours are really long. You're in school forever. If you want to have a family, this isn't a great path. I really got a lot of discouragement along that path. And so started looking for other careers in health. And that was how I ended up in uh, going into Cairo. But yeah, so for, for the first, like, you know, majority part of my life, I wasn't thinking business, entrepreneurship, anything other than like a pretty safe, stable job with a title that would pay my bills basically fair enough so what changed what uh what led you into software um, sales it was a, it was a variety of things one being a chiropractor specifically i think is a is a tough job like i i wasn't really kidding when i said nobody wants a chiropractor <laughs> like like most people would rather have a very like tight short solution between I have pain to I feel better that doesn't involve actually a lot of them doing a whole lot of stuff and that's not really how the game works when you're a chiropractor like you know, helping people get their body to work better is a difficult task and I started to feel like that wasn't the kind of problems I wanted to solve for people anymore or the way that I wanted to help them solve those problems because there was just so much friction and I felt like there was so much of me kind of caring more about them and their outcomes than their willingness to kind of do the things. And so I think on just like a kind of emotional level, it was really difficult and challenging. And then it's also a physically challenging job. So I ended up also having a lot of injuries to like my shoulder, elbow, wrist that kind of got worse over time as I was doing that job. 
So uh, it, I just kind of like came to a point where the practice that I was working, at, the owner of the practice, which I was kind of running my business within, was closing. In the end, I was having a lot of just kind of like my own pains and health issues and stuff like that and decided what what if this seven year run that I've done in private practice, like I've given my time to this career, but what if this isn't the only thing? Like, what if I could be good at something else? What if I could make money doing something else that was a little bit less emotionally and physically draining for me? And that led you to soft choice. So tell me about, I mean, if I can think of all careers that you would spring off to from what you were doing, selling technology probably wouldn't be my first guess, but I'm not knocking it. I just want to sure, know. Sure. No, it honestly, happened. so many people are like, what? Even people, obviously, like people that I went to school with. And there's definitely a lot of people, like when you make a major career change, there's a lot of people who are like your friends within that career who cannot believe that you would basically like do it about face and do something else because it seems like such a waste, right? Like a waste of the years of schooling and expertise and all that stuff. Um, and so it definitely was something I spent a lot of time thinking about and was nervous to do. And the thing is, when you become a, you know, a chiropractor or what, your lawyer, like whatever name profession you become, very frequently you are qualified to do that one thing and you feel very unqualified to do anything else. So, you know, I took a look at like, what were the other skills that I had developed over the time of becoming a chiropractor? And one of them was having sales conversations with a person, right? Like you have somebody who comes into your office and you're explaining to them like what's going on with them, what their care is going to look like. You are looking to get agreement from them, like how to solve their problem and commitment from them on like that they're going to spend their time, energy and money to do this thing to get a certain result, which is not different than sales in kind of any other capacity. And so I realized that in terms of ability to also generate cash, I wanted to do something where the more work I put in, the more money I could get out of it. And I think sales is one of the, you know, depending on the type and the environment the company you work for, is one of the best ways where you can like actually get a direct value return on the effort you put in outside of running your own business. Okay. And did you know anyone in tech? sales literally no one so i started like trolling like linkedin and you know asking people like friends and stuff like that who actually that's kind of a lie so a friend of my husband's worked at salesforce uh, i was one of their first employees in canada okay. so i was like okay i need to talk to this person and so i did start like going through my network to find like friends of friends and stuff like that who were in sales to be like what do your days look like? What do you like about this job? Like, what are the problems going to be that I have? And are those kind of shit sandwiches that I'm willing to eat on a regular basis? Like that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, that was how I got. And then literally asking them, like, how do you get a job? Like, how do you reach out? Like, is it recruiters? Do you need to go through the online forums? Like, how do you actually get in front of somebody to get a job? Um, and then I actually ended up getting connected to this like women in tech sales boot camp thing. And legit was I was unemployed for a total of four weeks. The office that I was at closed on August 30th. And I started work at Soft Choice on June 2nd. I was just like, I just like made getting a job my job and uh, had a pretty quick about face actually. And, and just like hit the ground running. Super cool. Well, congrats on that. I think what's interesting is you were building entrepreneurial skills or using entrepreneurial skills without realizing it. Like the like figuring out the pieces of the puzzle, like what's your entry path into this new world that you don't know a whole lot about, but you're going to be brave enough to tackle it. But what I want to know is why or was doing your own thing an option at that point? Were you considering being an entrepreneur then or like because you talked about the fact that, you know, you'd like to see the direct rewards and an impact of your work and you can do that. Obviously, sales is, is one path that can help some some people achieve that. And, and obviously running your own business or, or startup is another. So was a startup or entrepreneurship even at a thought at that point? Not at all. I, uh, I was like, I'm going to do okay. this thing. I'm going to run it out for a few years, see like, you know, climb up the ladder a bit, see what that looks like, what the opportunities are, what I can kind of do in space. So I had given myself like 
a five-year timeline actually that I wanted to be like committed to doing that and really like seeing where that played out and then you know the big wrench in probably everybody's life happened where like that literally like I got that job uh in 2019 so um COVID was like the big thing that changed everything where I actually was like really enjoying it and I was good at it like I you know I was making good money I was overshooting my quota every month like it actually I really enjoyed it and I loved the team atmosphere I loved the like competitive aspect of it I liked my team I liked the busy sales floor I like the whole thing was just like it was a good environment for me definitively better than working in like a quiet health clinic I was like oh I get it like this is better <laughs> but then COVID happened and we all went to working from home and after like a couple, a few months into COVID, my company announced that we were never going to go back into office. You know, like they had kept moving that timeline further, like, okay, it's going to be like two weeks at home and six weeks at home. And then now it's, we're definitely not coming back till the fall. And then they were like, it's been. And I was like, I think a lot of people struggling being home alone and feeling like all of the things that I loved about the job for the most part, had kind of just like gone out the window and all the things that were like super enjoyable about the job were still the things that I was doing all day, every day. And um, my husband and I had a conversation one day that was basically like, all right, if we're going to be sitting in our apartment working on a business all day, every day for the next like best years of our life, like the core meat of our careers, do we want to be building somebody else's business or do we maybe want to try building something of our own? And what are the problems we want to solve and how are we going to get meaning? And like, you know, we just basically had an existential crisis during COVID and decided that um, we wanted to build something of our own, at least take a swing at doing once. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how that happened. Okay. And so, um, it, is your husband in business an entrepreneur? Like, is there some element of that that played into this ideation brainstorm day? I mean, like my wife listens to my brainstorms all the time, but usually runs as far away from them as humanly possible. But to tell me about like where you just got into a groove. Yeah, and kind of sense. hilariously. Um, he was not an entrepreneur at all uh, at the time. He actually was working in investment banking. <laughs> but had been at the bank like that he was at for like 12 years and had also really started to feel like his career path there the learning that he was doing was running like that that it was just like a path that he wanted to like get off of but um also didn't really know like didn't want to go to another big corporate didn't want to just do like more of the same in a different um you know under a different banner and so, you know, when we started our business, honestly, um, I w- I left my full-time job first to go like kind of all in, in on the business and he continued to work his job, but it really was more of a household economic choice um, because between the two of us, I was actually enjoying my job more and felt like I still had more runway there to like learn and grow. Um, financially, it didn't make sense for him to leave his job. So um, it was really kind of both of us wanted to do this and we both wanted to do it somewhat together. Um, But I ended up doing a lot more of it from the beginning um, because just like for that reason. Okay, well, I want to learn now a little bit about, you know, third Z itself. And we're going to talk about that. But actually, just before we do. So did you start working on this it sounds like you know you were both working on this for a little bit while at your careers which is totally common and and normal for most entrepreneurs because um i think someone framed it really well once they were like to dive all in unless you've got like a massive cushion of money or are independently wealthy or at a time of your life where maybe you can make that choice to dive all in before you know you have product market fit is a very tough and sometimes unwise decision. And so it sounds like you were doing that. And was the was the pivot moment uh, for one of you, you started to get enough momentum where there was product market fit or it started to scale up in terms of the demand of time and you were starting to, you know, meet at that crossroads of there's just not enough time in the day, one of these things will have to give. Was that sort of the flipping switch for you? 
Sort of. I actually did. I quit my job before we actually had product in market. So oh, wow. it was a okay. little bit sooner than that. But like we were in a, a fortunate position where I knew that I could work on the business and not take a paycheck for a while. And okay. we kind of had that stuff gap or like stop loss kind of marker of being like okay after we launch this business like once we get products uh into market the first year is going to be answering the question do we have a business like is this a product people want to buy is a problem they solve? so you gave yourself a bit of a so we did kind of have that like we were like all right we're gonna put this much into it and then if we are seeing like like any positive flags (laughs) then we're you know like willing to um, definitely willing to fail, like willing to realize like that's, you know, a lot of businesses fail and, you know, whether it's how you yeah. operate, how you, what, how good your product is, like whatever, there's things uh, and forces that, you know, not everybody wins. So um, we were willing to sacrifice like my income for a, a period of time too. And like, I always was like, well, I didn't burn any bridges when I left. If I wanted to go back to my previous job or get another yeah. sales job, like that would still be an option. Well, I, and like I said, this is like just perspective from from one of the guests I had on that they shared. But it would be curious because you you did make the jump. It sounds like you were somewhere in between where like at least you knew like you had financial cushion because there was two of you involved. Um, you had a timeline set out. This other founder, actually, the way he did it is he had been kind of building a bunch of skills, saving up deliberately for a year, knowing that his plan was to flip. But would you have done it? differently or would you have advice for someone that maybe is considering that same thing like maybe you're doing it with someone or maybe you're doing it alone do you make the full jump are there benefits that you've seen just just curious your perspective on it looking back now you can't change the past but it's always good to like reflect on would you if you have another startup yeah if i didn't have that like financial security of like my knowing that my partner was like able to support our household i would absolutely not have done it i've met you know lots of different entrepreneurs along the way. And I think that when you are in a position where you need the dollars to start coming in really fast or like on a certain timeline, some people find that incredibly motivating, but I think the vast majority of people actually find that kind of debilitating. Like they start making bad decisions and they get so stressed about needing to have things happen on a certain timeline or happen quickly or, you know, get those dollars in the door that it actually ends up crippling their ability to like build a good business, make good decisions, actually like make the thing what they want it to be. So, and I think, and I, and I think I'm one of those people where I, there are certain types of pressures that I really like. The pressure of like surviving is not one of them. (laughs) Like that's not, that is not motivating for me. I think that's more crippling for me than, than motivating. And so it's not the decision that I would have made for myself. Okay. It's just, it's a good, good reflection. Well, let's talk about third Z. Um, yep. Actually, let, let's do your pitch first. I want to hear your per- pitch, but I'm always curious how people come up with, with the name and um, we'll, we'll talk about that and maybe it'll make sense, but we're on a show sure. called Pitch Please. So Justine, let's hear your best so, pitch. Third Z makes a sleep and recovery supplement for active adults and fitness athletes that is melatonin and sedative free. That's safe for use on a regular basis to help support really great recovery from physical and mental stress and help you waking up every morning feeling refreshed and ready to take on your day. That's awesome. <laughs> now. Um, well, I'm curious to learn more about all of this, uh, but let's start with the name, Third Z. Uh, how did you come up with it? What does it mean? Does it have yeah, a meaning? Okay, so Third Z um is more uh, i think our american counterparts might find it a little bit more straightforward you have three z's so you see like the emoji of the z and um you know i think most of us walk around most of the time getting like one z maybe two z's like we're not getting all the possible sleep that we can we're not actually optimizing our rest uh and the other piece of it being like that third like we spend a third of our life sleeping and that time really matters. And the more we can invest into that third, the more we're going to get out of the other two thirds. I like it. Well, let's start with the, I always like to start with the industry. Talk, talk to us a little bit about um, products, I guess, natural or, or not. Let's just talk about the whole category around ways to help people 
recover and sleep better um, and, and learn a little bit about that so we can understand where well, Third Z fits but, in. Um, so the industry is so particularly natural health supplements. As I like mentioned earlier, I studied health science biochem. So I've always been like big nerd into what happens when we put certain things into our body. Can we start to shift processes in our system by adding things that our bodies can like use better or by filling in nutrient like nutrient gaps basically and again going back to like early covid even before we had decided decided to start a business there was a point where i was realizing that i was waking up in the morning feeling like i had really slept i was like getting into bed getting the eight hours away yeah being like oh like not feeling good at all and so I started looking around because there was only so much I could do wise, right? Like gyms were closed, couldn't leave the house. Like was really, um, there was a lot of limitation around like what else I could change. So I was like, okay, well, is there something that I could take that would at least help my body to like relax better, get into deeper sleep, help me to be a little bit more efficient in this process? And I, and I started looking around, do a lot of research and just about everything on the neural side had melatonin and i didn't want to take melatonin on a regular basis uh, melatonin is a hormone it's one of those things so when you take hormones that are not naturally produced in your body you can actually uh, encourage your body to stop producing hormones on its own so there is that like negative feedback loop of long-term use um also melatonin has like other implications for your other hormones, particularly your sex hormones and your metabolism. So I was like, this isn't something that I want to take every single day. It's great for like if you're jet lag, short term use, you've had chaotic sleep schedules, your shift workers. Like I'm not saying like don't ever take melatonin, but I think some people rely yeah. on it every single day. And that was uh, not something that I wanted. I wanted something I could use more regularly that was um, not necessarily going to have some of those other impacts. And I, I was getting kind of frustrated. I was like, what the hell? So I started literally buying single, like researching stuff, listening to some sleep experts, getting into the science and buying single ingredient things. And then I, I had built my own sleep stack. And so then when we had started like looking at. I love the soft choice reference in there, by the way, like your tech stack. So then we were like looking at um, starting a company. And um, particularly starting an online company because we're going to be doing it from home, looking out what are we good at, what are problems that we could solve that are big problems for a lot of people. That was one of the things that immediately came up was, you know, everybody kind of sleeps like well. And um, for whatever reason, there wasn't something that I could find in the market that I wanted to use on a regular basis. So maybe there's other people who also are looking for something different. That's interesting. I, I, didn't know about the melatonin thing. Is that something that you had known previous to this? Or, hey, as you started looking for better sleep, you went down that path, you maybe used it, and then started reading more about it to understand, is this going to be best for me? And and I guess, does the average so person know that? I, I knew a bit about melatonin already. So when I was in private practice okay. as a chiropractor, tons and tons of my patients would put on their intake forms that they didn't sleep well. Now, of course, there's a component where if you're a person who's like in pain or had an injury, like that's going to prevent you from sleeping well. But even people who were coming in who were like young and relatively good shape and were coming in more so for just like tune up, like keeping their body working well. I was always blown away with how little people slept and how many people had problems with that and often had conversations with people where they're like, you know, is this OK? Like I've heard the melatonin is good. Should I take it? And so it's something that I had already kind of done some research on. Um, but obviously when I started needing to solve that problem for myself, I ended up doing a lot more research on it. So, um, they, so I already kind of knew that that was not something great for long-term use was more of kind of like a short-term stopgap. Um, and then also that it doesn't improve sleep quality. So it helps you fall asleep because it's a timing cue. So that's kind of more what it does is if you're like wired at, you mm. know, whatever you want your bedtime to be, it can help to kind of like cue you up to fall asleep at that time. But um, it doesn't actually improve your sleep quality. And so then um, over time, talking to some other people and uh, having used it myself, there's also a lot of people get hangover effects from it because you will you can take it and then sometimes it will actually overshoot your sleep cycle. So then instead of when you want to get up at like seven in the morning or whatever and you're like, OK, this is wake up time, your body's like, oh, hell no, it's not. So then you feel really crappy when you wake up in the morning. 
Yeah, like yeah, exactly. You know, right, and that's kind of what a lot of sleep things do. Like whether it's like Nyquil, you know, like sedatives over the counter, they don't actually help you to sleep better. They just help you to be unconscious, which actually ruins your natural sleep processes. So you feel worse when you wake up. So um, that was a learning and then you know starting to talk to other people that I knew had tried different things and just asking them like what what are your what are your kind of like pain points you know like you you ask people like what like what how are you trying to solve this and, and why don't certain things work for you and then you find out people who like some people smoke a joint before bed and they feel you know like that really helps but then they still don't feel super alert <laughs> when they want to get up in the morning and so I think for most people there is some people who are trying to solve the frustration of just like nighttime sucking, right? Like wanting, like shutting off yes, their brain, exactly. shutting off your brain. Um, or some people who wake up at like three a.m. and be like super wired awake, and then they can't fall asleep at that point. Um, and then they're like starting to do like the countdown in their habit, like okay, if I get three more hours of sleep, am I going to be functional tomorrow? Um, and so it's like solving those problems, but then also. That leads to you yeah, getting exactly. less sleep you because you're overthinking your sleep. Like, yeah. Rhythm. Um, and then not feeling good in the morning. That's the thing most people will solve for. And that's the thing like we all to drink coffee, take stimulants because we want to feel good, want to feel energetic, we want to be able to like do our days. And like there's this kind of like cascading effect of like when your nights suck, your days suck. Interesting. Okay. So you did a bunch of research and you found your yeah. sleep stack. Um, so you started using your own sleep stack. Uh, and it sounds like, and, and I'd love to just to clarify it, but what are the areas that you specifically are differentiating? It sounds like you were looking for natural. You were looking for something that wasn't going to throw off other imbalances or naturally producing things in your body, even though they are natural, maybe you could throw it off. But you were trying to help people achieve not just being able to go to sleep, but getting great, restful, recovering yeah. sleep um, to really wake up energized and have their body recovery. So it seems like that's the path you're going down. Let's talk about how you achieved that or what sure. you did to do that. Um, so our uh, product ends up having four main active ingredients in it. Um, one of them is actually collagen. And so this was the thing that I found the most unique. And when I was like, oh, this is the thing. And this is the thing that like, I haven't found any other sleep supplements this in. So this is, this is already like going to make this more unique in the sleep space. So collagen is one third an amino acid called glycine. And when you buy hydrolyzed collagen, which is like busted up collagen, it's easy for your body to like absorb and digest. The amino acids are almost all essentially like broken down into very small parts. So it's actually a great contributor of glycine into your system when you take it. And glycine has had some really cool research in the last few years where people who take three grams of glycine before bed will have their core body temperature lower sooner, which is important for getting into deep sleep, and then also have actual improvements in their sleep cycles on polysomnograph, which is like the thing they strap to your brain when you do a sleep study to see how is your brain cycling between, you know, um, your deep and uh, REM sleep cycles and, and the ones that are in between that nobody really talks about. And then also the electrical activity in your brain called sleep spindles that need to be actually strong in order for you to do things like consolidate memories, emotionally regulate, and have all of like the actual really positive kind of mental emotional aspects from getting good quality sleep. So glycine was like helping people improve those markers on polysomnograph and then also subjectively report less fatigue the next day on the same amount of sleep. So I was like, well... I already take collagen and I was like, well, but everybody talks about taking collagen, like in your coffee in the morning, in the workout, yeah, and they yeah. talk about the, you know, benefits for your joints and your muscles and that kind of stuff, which does do. Totally. But I was like, if I just like do that and take that before bed, that could be helpful. So that was one of the first things that I started doing was taking my collagen before bed and then was finding like, I have like four different sleep tracker devices. <laughs> So that I can measure, like try and measure different things. And I was finding like, okay, actually I'm getting more deep sleep now. And my heart rate's getting lower and my heart rate variability is improving. Um, and then the other stuff that's in it is magnesium. 
which is a mineral most people don't get enough of. Again, a lot of people do take magnesium because like it gets recommended a ton. It helps your body to relax. It helps with your like neurological regulation. So they're not overfiring, overstimulated, helps like prevent much muscle twitching, that kind of stuff. The other uh, two things that are in it are L-theanine. So L-theanine is an amino acid from green tea. You may or may not have seen it in energy drinks. I'm just going to sound a little counterintuitive. The reason they put it in energy drinks is because it really helps to balance overstimulation. So you can put a ton of stimulants in an energy drink and then put L-theanine in it. And people, most people won't get the jitters from being overstimulated because the L-theanine actually helps to calm your nervous system down so well that you can stack like huge amounts of other stimulants. But when you're drinking it at nighttime and not with stimulants, it will actually help your brain to start to wind down to get more into like the um, alpha waves which your body or your brain produces when you're meditating that kind of more like relaxed and alert state is associated with l-theanine so that thing where you said like helping to wind your mind down at night l-theanine is great for that it's been like used in studies for um anxiety and overstimulation and even people who have like attention issues and it's been for a lot of those things as well as sleep and then the last thing is GABA so GABA is um like your main brain chemical for being going transitioning from being awake to being asleep and it's pretty much your only neurotransmitter that is inhibitory so everything else kind of is excitatory so serotonin dopamine acetylcholine um you know your adrenal hormones these are all excitatory hormones and they're pumping all day long and you need to have adequate GABA to balance them out, which is why pretty much all things that are like anxiety medication work on your GABA pathways, because what they find is that people who are like overly anxious, their GABA production is not really keeping up with all of the kind of like overexcitatory stuff that's going on in their brain. So having GABA in there is also really helpful. They've also shown that women who are insomniacs tend to have about a third less GABA than women who sleep normally. So that was kind of a like a bit of a no-brainer for us to like to put that in there because most people yeah, need yeah. a little bit more of that to help themselves to like relax, wind down, and it's crucial for getting good quality sleep. Amazing. So all four of these things. Yeah, natural, but none of them are going to get, um, probably going to use the wrong word, like displaced or create like dependencies on them because you're replacing something. It's additive in areas where people are deficient. Your body's not going to slow down the production of magnesium if you take magnesium. It's like you're not getting enough magnesium. Exactly. That's exactly it. So like unlike something like, Uh, melatonin which is a hormone your body doesn't have the same negative feedback loop so magnesium i mean most of us just don't with it anyways and if you did get too much of it you're just gonna like pee it out you're gonna pass it out your body literally can't make it so you have to get it externally okay um same thing with glycine your body doesn't really make glycine it's amino acid that tends to be in parts of meat and like animal foods that we don't eat a lot of like the cartilage bits that in western culture we think is gross like we're not eating a lot of like chicken feet and stuff like that um most of us right uh, and then yeah. it's not yeah, on my exactly. menu regularly no. probably the only thing in there that potential like would have the potential for that negative feedback loop is GABA because we do produce our own GABA but um, there's a, a lot of interesting research around absorption of GABA where, you know, absorb, it is a rather large molecule and it, people used to think that you couldn't absorb any GABA. So there was like this um, kind of thing in the nutrition zeitgeist of like, well, there's no point in taking GABA because you can't absorb it. It's too big. But that's actually not true. We actually have in our guts active transporters for GABA, which means that if we're not Uh, If we need more of it, our bodies will actively pull more of it into our system. So the stuff that you're going to absorb that's going to be used well for your body is always going to be topping up that deficit that you're not making up on your own already. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, how you sell this. It sounds like we've moved on from your sleep stack. 
uh, of a <laughs> bunch of different pills to to some type of finished yeah. product. What does that look like, and and how do you get it, order it, and then I even want to talk about the. There's probably a process in being able to make it more accessible. So let's let's learn yeah. A little so bit one about from that. like kind of having a weird like my whole cupboard full of weird powders and pills and stuff like that. Um, to at first, like the the I think most people when they think supplements, they immediately jump to capsules, right? Capsules are easy. Just throw me around drink with water, done. Um, and right off the bat, I knew that that wasn't gonna fly because the clinically relevant doses, like the amount of the stuff that actually like matters when you take it to work well, was just gonna be too. Like our, we put 10 grams of collagen in every scoop, which gives you three grams of glycine, which is what's shown in the literature to be helpful. So like 10 grams in pills is basically 10 pills. So like that alone, you'd be like taking 10, nobody's going to do that. Um, so we knew that pills weren't going to be a thing. Um, so then the next kind of logical step is powders. So it is in a powdered format. Um, and it sort of comes in like a, a 30 serving bag and it is flavored it's funny every once in a while we'll have someone reach out and be like can you guys do an unflavored version I'm like you do not want to taste what this would taste like unflavored like amino acids on their own are not palatable like it's not it's not good um so we it has a like a strawberry lemonade flavor and uh for okay. the most part like we have people who like love it, look forward to taking it. Obviously, flavor's really challenging because everybody's palate is different and one person's yuck is somebody else's yum. So that's always a challenge. And we do only have the one flavor now. Probably in the future, that would be like a, a growth point for us would be to add a couple of other flavors so that, you know, if the reason that was really holding somebody back from taking your product is the palatability for them, that they would have other options. Okay, cool. So it's a powdered, a bag of powdered yeah, flavored like stuff. <laughs> I, I love it. How did you, I'm like, I'm fascinated by like, I imagine there's like some steps or how you get people to review it or package this up or produce it. Like neither of your backgrounds sound mm -hmm. like it was in that. Uh, I mean, unless they're doing this, like, I mean, maybe they're, they're power packaging some powdered stuff in the financial <laughs> district, but different. I think it's different. How, like, yeah. How did that process work? Was that hard? Like, how did you kind of work through that? Like, and what did it I think that, that's one of those points of being like, thank God when you're uh, starting out as an entrepreneur, you're ignorant of like all the steps because <laughs> you just kind of like, you just have, you go, right? You're like, ah. until this problem yeah, occurred. Um, it wasn't exactly. a problem in your mind. And then you just like deal with it as they come. So, I mean, there are a lot of contract manufacturers who make this stuff all over the world, right? Like there are contract manufacturers that make nutrition supplements and almost all the brands that you buy, unless they're like really massive, don't actually make their own products. They contract that out to companies who will make. So you do like literally it's like the spot of like you reach out. You're like, do you have the capability? Like this is what i'm intending to make and then they're like yeah we can make that and then you do like the nda on both sides because we're doing a custom formula um and then you they'll say you know they help you to do like to spec it out of like okay this is how much it's going to cost this is the suppliers where we can get it um most of the like good ones also have their own in-house food scientists who can do um like flavor combining and stuff like that so it's just a difficult, it's a little bit difficult to know when you're starting out to like, who's actually good? Like, who do you want to, who do you want to work with? And who's going to like deliver on yeah. time and actually like give you some attention and, and those things. But that's kind of like any industry. Um, so the first things we looked for were obviously like credentials. So places that are like Canada site licensed, have their GMP certificate, like actually get inspected by the FDA like that kind of stuff because we wanted we knew we wanted to sell in both Canada and the U.S. um and our we decided to do that because we knew it was going to take a lot longer to get into the Canadian market because you have to get approvals from Health Canada first before you can start selling which you don't need to do in the U.S. in the U.S. if you're using ingredients that are already on shelf 
you're not introducing like a novel compound to the U.S. market. You actually don't need FDA approval to launch a product there. Um, their biggest thing is that you can verify through lab testing that what you say is on the label is like actually what's in the package in the amounts that you say is in there and that there's nothing else in there, no contaminants basically. So, and that also kind of like comes to working with a, a lab and a manufacturing partner that's going to like be reputable and not sell you snake oil to sell to people. Um, so that was... That was our path, basically. We started working with a U.S.-based manufacturer to launch our product in the U.S. first. We uh, submitted our formulation to Health Canada for approvals. And then after you submit to Health Canada for approvals, you pretty much just have to wait. And it can take up to a year. And during COVID, things were definitely not going as quick as they could. So we launched into the U.S. market. We had... Um, like products made labeled everything like selling in the U.S. and we still had like nothing to uh, we couldn't sell anything in Canada and um, we then actually worked with a separate manufacturer in Canada because I didn't want to have to figure out how to also do import export while we were kind of trying to figure out this thing of like so you had to find a U.S. and a Canadian manufacturer separately yes which um, I think probably a lot of people who you know have experiencing this business maybe immediately would be like why would you do that because you're kind of are shooting yourself in the foot in terms of economies of scale but it just meant that we had kind of other problems that we didn't have to deal with right like importing and exporting and like doing all of that is its own whole beast and since it was pretty much just me at the time I was like I'm I'm not even gonna try and figure that piece out because at least I've figured out how to do like the working with the manufacturer piece and getting something like ready to ship. We hired um, third-party logistics companies that we were working with as well to do like the pick pack and shipping our our um, products out so that we could then focus all of the attention on just like how do we acquire customers now, tell a brand story, build a brand and actually like sell this thing in the market without having to go to the post office every day. That's cool. Well, power to you for powering through these steps that you've never gone through before. So you're able to, so actually that's the perfect maybe segue. So where, where's Thirds at today? Like Canada, US, how many customers or like how, how big is this operation? It sounds like you've been doing it for a few years. This is 2019. So like three years maybe now into this journey. Yeah. So honestly, so many things took so much longer just because like supply chain, everything with COVID. So I actually didn't leave my last job until 20, towards the end of 2020. And then we started working on things in 2021 and we actually launched like <laughs> sorry, little like little side note. We launched into the name in the US Sleep Pack. We had filed um, for trademarks for the name in Canada and the US. We were told at that time that in Canada, somebody else had also filed a trademark for Sleep Pack. But our IP lawyers were like, you know what? Go ahead. Apply. Like it's you. It's not in use yet. It, the thing's been in the system for a few years. If you just start using it, like use case actually is really important for trademark law. So just like go ahead with it. Um, while we were shipping in the U.S. and not in Canada yet, uh, literally the week, the week that we got our Health Canada approvals, uh, we got a note from our lawyer saying that the product sleep pack was now in use in Canada. We were going to be able to use that name. So we actually then had to like pause everything rebrand full uh, completely so that's where we became third z uh, we had to take all of our u.s products get it all repackaged all rebranded redo our whole website the whole it, that was like that was a moment i was like maybe maybe we don't don't want to keep doing this <laughs> um but anyway so then we officially launched as third z both sides of the border february 2022 so we've actually not been in market quite two years yet. It's been um, a little over okay. a year now. Amazing. So uh, how how's the momentum been in Canada and the U.S. Or maybe maybe one's been better than the other. It's actually been it's been pretty great. So we um, we do about two thirds of our sales in the U.S., which I mean, it's just they're so much bigger than 
Yeah, but proportionally, that's actually really impressive for Canada, to be honest. Totally. And I think part of the reason is there's like really a lot fewer competitors and stuff in the Canadian market too, right? Canadian consumers just have fewer options in this space as well. Um, but also because we're based here, we have a lot of network here. We go to a lot of events. So we've really targeted CrossFit because that was a community that I was familiar with. A lot of CrossFitters track their sleep. Um, people invest in their health in that space. And so we thought, okay, where can we go where we can actually like get in front of people? So we started going to like CrossFit competitions and stuff like that. That was how we got a lot of our like early kind of first traction was just like being there in person, letting people like see the product, talking to them about it, that kind of thing. Um, and then also where like, we started kind of like doing more like niche publications. So like sponsoring podcasts and newsletters and stuff that were going out to CrossFitters versus trying to win at running like broad swat facebook ads um and that's been actually great it's probably been slower than you know a lot of brands will grow really big buying market share kind of at a loss if they have the budget to do it like if they have funding they'll just like to run a ton of ads and then grow really fast but it's not necessarily um profitable growth and so we, because we're bootstrapped, we're like, well, we need to actually make money off every sale that we make. So I can't afford to spend more than our cart size acquiring a customer. Um, so that's, so we've been growing and we've literally been growing like every single month, um, month over month since we started. And uh, we're at the point now we have a team of five and we're, we're not going to sell a million dollars this year in total revenue but um definitely over half like we're probably in that like three quarters of a million dollars revenue um for this year which is pretty cool since we congrats that. that's huge for two years yeah so it's been like you know a little month over month our first month i was like thrilled we did ten thousand dollars in revenue i was like this is amazing but it it, it felt good it felt big it felt like a lot of traction like more than we were anticipating and i've always kind of tried to keep my expectations low and just like like all right if we're delivering a good product and we're delivering good service and we're telling more people about us then we'll grow and that's um been working well where um where can people get it how much does it cost where should we send people to we'll put it in the description as well but i'm sure by now People, if they haven't dozed off uh, through the podcast, uh, hopefully we can help them doze off tonight. Um, where can they go? Where can they find you? And how much does it cost? Yes, our, our website is thirdz.com. So T-H-I-R-D-Z-Y.com. We do have a .ca as well for our Canadian customers, but they will both point you in the same place. Like if you land on the .com, it'll give you the option to come for a Canadian store. We sell for $72 for 30 servings in the U.S. and $76 for 30 servings in Canada. And um, we do have a subscribe and save option as well where you can save 20% off if you want to get it delivered to your door. Awesome. So just order online, ships directly to you. Sounds fairly simple. Based on where you're at, is there anything in the next year of milestones that you've been planning for that you're excited about yeah so we actually just also launched cradle packs which okay. has something that we've been asked for quite a bit by our existing customer base which is cool when people are asking you for more so we uh we do have travel packs that are already live in the u.s and they're a couple of weeks from being live in canada so people can get seven serving travel packs take it on the road with you um in like little single serving sessions and um, we are going to be starting to run paid ads next year, like on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. So like we haven't been doing any of that. So I'm really like curious and excited to see how, um, you know, opening up those channels that almost all e-commerce stores rely on for all of their growth, um, where that's going to take us next year. Amazing. Well, those are big milestones, and it sounds like you're also going to be cracking that million dollar number in the year ahead. Um, <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. You've had amazing success, Justine. Any like final thoughts or words of advice? Like, obviously, this has been a, a, a world of pivots in your career. It sounds like you guys are doing amazing, and you're really thriving in this space. But to any others, as we kind of like come to the tail end, any advice from that journey that you would kind of impart on others? 
Yeah, like this maybe sounds really cliche, but like not comparing yourself to other people and other businesses because, you know, every business is going to be different. How you finance your business, what your team looks like and what your strengths are are going to be different. And I think we've really leaned into what we know, what our strengths are. And that's been always the thing that's worked for us. And anytime we've tried to emulate what somebody else is doing that didn't feel that didn't really add up to like where our strengths were, it's kind of had um not great results and made us had to take steps back or been a big waste of money. So uh, I think it's really hard when you see these like companies that seem like overnight successes and massive like unicorn companies that you everybody wants to like be, you know, I think a lot of people want to be that company and it's easy to try yeah. to be like, okay, well they did A plus B and that equals C. So we're going to do that. And I realized really early on that you know, everyone's journey is going to look really different and doing what you do well is going to lead to the best success over time. If you can, if you can afford to do it over time, which hopefully most people aren't rushing to the finish end, uh, finishing line. Um, yeah, that that's probably the biggest one for me is like, is that and then also realizing that most of the advice that you hear or even the stories that you hear from a lot of people are just their highlight reel, right? Like, there's yeah. there's a lot of tears there's a lot of setbacks there's a lot of wasted money uh that happens along the way and it's definitely not this linear line of idea to success or idea to failure great advice i think that the take your own path don't necessarily try to always be comparing yourself to others um and it's not just going to be the highlight reels you hear there's there's challenges along the way like having to rename repackage your brand <laughs> overnight to to get distribution at the final mile, which is is obviously a massive setback that now you laugh about, but I'm sure it wasn't a laughable moment yeah, <laughs> back then. Yeah, the time it was not a laughable moment. <laughs> but yeah, now we're like, oh, we got through that, so what next? Amazing. Well, well thanks so much for joining us today, Justine. I, I'm going to have to order myself some third Z. Uh, we'll make sure everything is in the description for everybody to to order themselves some as well. Uh, and put any other contact information that's going to be useful to you. Uh, to everyone that joined in today, I hope you had a blast. I learned a ton, not just about uh, third Z and the ability to career pivot, but also some important elements that are going to be more useful to sleep. And I think to the name, uh, you know, a third year day should be spent sleeping, so you might as well do it right. Uh, thanks again for tuning into the Pitch Please podcast, and we're happy to have you on today, Justine. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Pitch Please Podcast. Pitch Please. Pitch Please. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at pitchplease.ca. And make sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. Pitch Please, a Bluemex podcast, is hosted by Michael Thibodeau and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. For more Pitch Please content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.